We also do a lot to support musicians. If you are a young woman or gender diverse person looking to be a professional in the music industry, we're going to try to help you mm-hmm. at any phase of your career, anything that you need advice for. Like we are going to try to do our job and help you make that happen. All right, here we go. This is Going Boldly, the podcast. Here's your host, Russ the Big Guy. Hi, it is Russ the Big Guy. I'm a lifelong entrepreneur who is very familiar with the struggles and successes related to running a business. I know it is definitely worth the struggle. The freedom and unlimited potential keep me moving forward, fueled by my why. Aligned with that is my desire to share with you, the entrepreneur and aspiring business owner, entertainment, information, inspiration, and even transformation into an even more amazing entrepreneur and human. To those ends, please enjoy this episode of Going Boldly. All right, welcome back again. This is Russ the Big Guy, and we have an interesting show for you today. As many of you uh, aspiring entrepreneurs and, and business owners know, there are certain kinds of characteristics and uh, and capabilities that are so important to run an organization, and it doesn't always have to be a business. Today, I want to welcome Shelby Chargan. Hi, Shelby. Hi, Russ. How are you? I'm awesome. Thanks. Uh, listeners, Shelby is the founder of Girls Behind the Rock Show. It's a nonprofit working to support and promote women and gender diverse people in the music industry. One of the things that struck me, Shelby, is that my assumption with the music industry is that it's filled with very progressive and uh, and uh, gender diverse people to begin with. So why is this such an important goal for your organization? It's kind of funny you say that because a lot of people are under that impression because a lot of what you see of the music industry is the marketed part, right? You see the Beyonce's and the Taylor Swift's and Sam Smith's and, you know, all of these people who represent such diverse communities. Um, But really on the back end, there isn't a lot of women and gender diverse people in powerful positions. I think the there's an interesting statistic out there and I'd have to double check on when the last time it was updated, but it's about 60% of the people in the administrative and entry-level positions are women. And in every phase, as you go up the rung, it drops off like 10% to the point of like the CEO and like the highest level being like less than 10% represented by women and gender diverse people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so I kind of asked the question for our audience. I knew the answer ahead of time. So the, uh, uh, the number of women and gender diverse and, uh, minorities is, uh, very low double digits or single digits, or even very low single digits, depending on which category you're measuring. As soon as you get into, like you said, the CEO levels, the C-suites, right. And the, and the real power brokers behind the industry. Mm -hmm. And what's so frustrating about that is that the largest portion of income for the entertainment industry actually comes from young women and gender diverse people ages 18 to 24, a little bit spanned out that, I mean, technically you're not allowed to do research of people like legally under 18, but the guess is that it's about 13 to like 30 of young women and gender diverse people who actually spend money on music or whose spouses, parents, whatever, are spending money for them on music. So it's the biggest market that you are selling to, and it's the least represented market in the back end of the business. And I think 
it's becoming a really interesting time because I think we're seeing more and more the effects of that disconnect as things like TikTok and Twitter and stuff like that grow. So it's just been a really interesting time. And so for me, the past six years have really been about um, educating myself on just kind of how the industry works, where these super big stops and like status quo issues are, and then where the audience is educated properly or not educated properly or their perspective of things. Um, and so it's, it's just been a long time of just really getting to know this issue at its very core and its very specific challenges for me. What in your background inspired you to want to do this? Um, so you were working in the past couple months, you decided to spend your time promoting this nonprofit as opposed to working for someone else. Is that correct? Yes. So I, I've always kind of done the nonprofit like alongside any other job that I've had. Um, but I think, you know, after six years of dedicating it and it kind of being my side hustle, I really wanted to like bunker down and figure out like getting us fully funded, being able to start hiring people, being able to start, you know, making a living off doing this in a way that's constructive for everybody. Um, and one of the big reasons why is because we're independent. We're very punk rock. We're very like, we kind of like skirt the outskirts of the industry in the way we're like, we don't have a responsibility to any of the major corporations within it. We have a responsibility to our community. Right. And I find that allows us to do a lot more productive work in a lot of ways. But I also think for me, the biggest thing when I started this, you know, years ago was I had a really, really, really bad experience with being the only woman in an office that I dealt with. I heard some extremely uncomfortable conversations that made me uh, honestly cry and that I had to deal with a lot of prejudice. I had to deal with a lot of cruelty. I had to deal just, there are many, many things that went wrong in, in a position that I was in. Mm. And I felt that I could not speak up. And to me, that was horrible. Like I'm, if you can tell from just talking right now, I'm a very outspoken person. I was raised to be very independent. Mm -hmm. um, and I believe that that is a powerful thing for a woman and not something to be seen as a negative, but in a lot of industries it, it, and honestly, still including the music industry, a lot of times that works against you as a woman being so outspoken, being so loud, not conforming. I, I just kind of realized there wasn't a space for young women entering the industry, just to talk amongst themselves and to have an understanding and a community of where they didn't have to feel judged or misrepresented or frustrated or angry or where they could, you know, talk about their experiences or safely report a really dangerous situation. There was just no centralized location for young women and gender diverse people to do that. And I felt a responsibility after my own experience to like help people not have to go through that. So are you also a musician? Is that part of the reason that you're um, doing this organization? I mean, this could be a, a very broad organization. It wouldn't necessarily have to be specifically for 
musicians or, you know, um, targeted to the music industry. So is that your background as well? Yes. Yeah, so I am not a musician myself, but I always wanted to work in music and I kind of surrounded myself with it since I was like 15 years old. I started volunteering at shows and doing merch and going to work tour every summer and kind of like doing that whole DIY thing for a really long time, um, all the way through college, honestly. And so for me, I, I look at the music industry as I personally believe that it is the most public industry in the world. Like you see the most of the music industry of any other industry that you're going to see, even in the other like arts and entertainment sectors, like music is so public, you know, who's people's managers are, you know, who their agents are, you know, who, you know, you go to their tour and you meet their merch people, you go, you know, who their tour managers are because they're in their documentaries or they're in their pictures, you know, their choreographers, like, every part of this industry is like relatively public. And so I think that for a lot of people, when they look at the music industry, they see like the problems are so prevalent, but they're also very hidden in a, in a very ex like expert way where it's like, oh, well, this person has representation here. So we don't need to worry about this person. And it's very pick and choose. So for me, the back end is the focus rather than musicians themselves. But we also do a lot to support musicians. Basically, if you are a young gender diverse person looking to be a professional or or woman or gender diverse person looking to be a professional in the music industry, we're going to try to help you Mm -hmm. at any phase of your career, anything that you need advice for, like, we are going to try to do our job and help you make that happen. It seems like you would be overwhelmed with people asking for your help. (laughs) You know, it's funny because yes and no, it's very like, I've been very lucky because the Facebook group that we've grown that has over 10,000 people, I have always had really active admins who help me out. And I have a volunteer team of like 40 people at this point who have been helping me for the past few years. Um, And so I'm very blessed to have a a group of young women and gender diverse people who really believe in our mission and who stand by us um, and just want to help. So I've been blessed with that. But yeah, I mean, it can be a lot sometimes, especially because we're not funded. Like we do all of this for free. And so that can be a lot. But in my opinion, it's worth it because I have now met people who have gotten jobs at major labels in, in agencies in like very like good positions who are on these big trajectories for their future, who have found their jobs, their internships, their mentors, their everything through our community. And, you know, now it's kind of coming to that moment where we've been around for a while that a lot of them are coming back to like pay it forward, which is oh, really incredible. Nice. So yeah. maybe there's some source of future, um, you know, big uh, PR events or funding or, or what have you. Yes. Yes. So we're finally at that phase and I'm, and I've been very blessed to um, have a team of people who really want to work towards that. And, and I think it's important what we do because it is so different than other things that have been done before in this space. Um, Mm -hmm. We just really encourage the community before anything else. Like uh, my belief is that if we can't fit young women and gender diverse people safely into the industry as it is, let's just 
rebuild the house. Let's let's start over for ourselves. And I've seen a lot of that happening within our community, which is incredible. What's an example of that? Um, so I've actually seen a lot of young people start their own businesses and become very successful with like artists. I'm not really sure how much I'm allowed to say about specific people that I know um, and who they work with and work for, but I have watched people utilize the contacts and connections and actually like create their entire business through the girls behind the rock show community and become extremely successful, work with artists who have number one songs and albums and things like that on Billboard or become a PR person for like very, very high level people, create their own companies. There's this one young lady who like started, didn't even go to college and through her connections with Girls Behind the Rock show and some of the other people that she knew growing up managed to create this incredibly successful PR company. And it's crazy. It's just like, She set herself aside by, you know, making herself an expert in this new age of social media and digital and all of this stuff that set her apart. And even though she didn't have some like big spend behind her or huge degree, she was able to do that. And then another young lady I know um, had gotten laid off because of the pandemic, started her own thing, made it very, very successful. And she has now been featured in billboard, things like that. And a a big part of that was um, spreading her community throughout ours. And I'm just always so excited to see that happen. Yeah. That's part of our mission here, of course, is to really encourage those types of endeavors. Um, Our listeners are aspiring entrepreneurs, small business owners, a lot are solopreneurs, they're people who are making the big changes in their life. And of course, the pandemic um, has really poured gasoline on this whole movement, which started in, I don't know, 2018 or 19 or even before. Um, and it sort of bleeds over into our, you know, traditional education system and uh, a lot of other areas of our society. But it's definitely a movement. We're driven by technology in a way where people can start a business, you know, they can find what their passion really is and pursue it and, and, and feed it and, uh, and make a living from it and help people. That's a big thing and make, make changes. Uh, technology has really helped that happen and, um, people are doing it every day. And it's great to hear that you've become the connector in a way for, or the glue, as I, as I sometimes like to say, we're the you know, I may not have done anything amazing myself, but I'm definitely, uh, I'm the glue between a lot of different disparate parts, you know, put them together and, and, uh, and until they, uh, until they get their own legs, so to speak. Honestly, every time somebody comes to me and tells me that they, you know, did something successful and girls was a part of it. I literally cry every time. Everybody I, I know the, I know the feeling. I know the feeling. I'm like, I get so emotional. Like I, I have, I have been coined by quite a few people as the um industry mom at this point (laughs) where i'm basically just kind of like you're all my children even if you're older than me and if you find success i'm gonna cry and be proud of you like a mom would that's funny (laughs) yeah i was just gonna i was just gonna say that that you're probably like the mom now because i used to run for our local community theater uh it's called the endicott performing arts center you know, EPAC, E-P-A-C. For four years, I ran a fundraiser called EPAC Idol, modeled after American Idol. And one of the really cool things was to see the moms cry when their 
when their kids sang or, you know, performed and oh, gosh, if they won even, you know, even crazier, <laughs> but, uh, but you could always count on the moms <laughs> to really get emotional. So you're the mom now you're the mom I'm for the all mom. these people. And, uh, pretty soon it's, uh, my gosh, they're going to be, um, they're going to be so far into the industry with all, all mm-hmm. the tentacles are in there now starting to happen yeah. for you. That's really exciting. It's lovely. Like it, I really appreciate everybody who, you know, comes back. And I think that that is a testament to the community we've built that people don't just use it for their own, you know, like a lot of times you get in the entertainment industry where people will use things for their own yeah. gain and then, you know, come back to it. I think it's, it's very, um, you know, just representative of the community we've built that people are like, no, like, I, I want to give back to this thing that gave to me. Let's go back a little bit. And um, a few of the key words that I got when I researched you a little bit was education, resources, support in the forms of mentorship, networking, employment experience, support systems was something that was listed. So can you talk about any of those in, in detail? So like, what about mentorships? Like, talk about that. That's the first one on my list. Yeah. So I the way we work in my community, I don't do like mentorship programs in particular, um, mostly because I believe that mentorship relationships are actually extraordinarily delicate um, because the relationship between a mentor and a mentee could really change the course of a mentee's career and life. Right. Yeah. So if you get matched up with somebody that you don't really vibe with personality wise, in like a random program, even if they're in what you want to be doing, that that could be kind of detrimental to you as, as a young professional. And I've seen that happen. So I encourage mentorship in a way where I will, if I meet somebody and I'm like, oh my gosh, you have to meet this person who can help you. I will connect them like that. Or if any of my team does, that's that's kind of how we do it. We're very particular. And if someone comes to me specifically looking for a mentor, I will do my best to like find somebody. I, and I, and I tell them, honestly, I said, I may not have a good fit for you right now, but like, I'll keep you on my list of people that I'm thinking about and we'll go from there. And it's hard because I get those requests a lot. It's like, I probably get five or six a week and if not more. And so I, I try really hard, but I think that a lot of it is I would rather have somebody be mentored by somebody who's just smart and business savvy rather than somebody who's in their exact lane. Because I think one thing about the industry is that even if you're like completely into like your career as an A&R, you still kind of have to know how radio promotion and marketing and other things at least work um, to a degree. So I think it's just smarter to pair people up with people who they get along with who are business savvy within the industry itself and work that way. Um, so I do mentorship a little bit differently than other people do. Um, and the reason I do is because I think it's more successful when you have somebody who actually values you as a person and doesn't just see you as somebody who wants to get into the industry. Oh, that makes sense. I mean, that's the best uh, relationship with a mentor mentee. It kind of uh, overlaps into the networking. So um, what, what is that specifically? And that, would that be on uh, your, is it a Facebook group? 
Is that what it, is that what you're using or? Yes. What? So we started Facebook group in 2016, November of 2016, about a year into being a, a company um, or an organization. And um, it grew very, very quickly, much quicker than I could imagine. And we are now over 10,000 members. We may actually be at 11,000 members. I have not checked in a minute, um, yeah. but we're, yes. And that, honestly, the growth was crazy because it was pretty slow at the beginning. We had like maybe 3,000 people after the first two years. And then it just started almost doubling every year which was like a little bit insane as far as like the amount of people who joined the group. Um, and so we reached that milestone of 10,000 this summer and like a huge testament to like the Facebook admins who have helped me out specifically this girl, Sam, she's no longer with our um, company. She actually moved on to help another nonprofit grow their Facebook group. Um, but she and a lot of other people who were working with her have been super helpful. And then, her predecessor, Annabelle, who is still on the team, has also been amazing and like helping keep this group going. Um, and we're we're extremely organized with it. Um, and one of the benefits I think of being in our group is that, you know, we make sure that every single post is tagged so it's easily found by different people. If you're looking specifically for a job or you're specifically looking for an internship or things like that, they're relatively easy to find, but also we do discussions. A lot of times I, you know, just post in there being like, Hey, this is a big thing that just happened around, you know, what we do and what we care about, whether it was like Taylor Swift winning her court case against that radio disc jockey, or whether it was, you know, Cardi B's um, money video that was really in support of sex workers or things like that. We have discussions about progressive movements within the industry, where they are, where they're at, which artists that we really love their support, but are also critical of in certain ways. And so we're very active about having very, very open discussions. And I think that's a big part of the networking within the group is that it is a good space to talk about things that are unique to the gender diverse and women community that a lot of like men in the industry would not understand and how to go about communicating those things without having to have male involvement, curbing your opinions or, or speaking in a different tone or things like that to make things easier to understand. And so that's kind of where the networking comes in for us. When we grew the Facebook group, my main goal of it was to encourage people to speak up about anything that has affected them within this industry, whether it's ageism, whether it's sexism, whether it's racism, homophobia, anything like that, but also to talk about solutions, things that they care about, ways to combat this or start their own business within there. And like, I've seen all of those things happen within the community over the past five years. And it's been really amazing. So that's kind of how we view networking, less like, oh, scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, but more like, here's what we care about collectively as a community. Here's how people are doing this on the business side. Here's how people are doing this on the activist side. Here's how musicians are speaking this into their music. And here's how we can all work together to progress. I was literally just on the phone with a young lady who works at a major label yesterday. And she was telling me, she was like, I met my mentor through that. And she helped me, like I had like three different job offers on the table and she helped me negotiate a way better salary for one of my offers. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Like, and that's, she met her through the group 
And it's, it's that kind of stuff. And, and I think the big thing about networking, it has become such a social event. And a lot of people who go into the music industry are, are not very social, honestly. Like yeah. a lot of people who go into the music industry are like, they were like nerds in high school. Like I will readily admit <laughs> to that. I was not cool. And I found music as my solace and then it just became my life. And that's, that's the case for honestly, a lot of people. So it's a very weird mentality that like, I feel like a lot of people who go into the industry do it because they, they kind of have this, um, I don't want to sound rude saying this, but it's honestly my, my, my belief is that they have this need to feel cool, you know, after so many years of being uncool. And so they go in and all of a sudden they're like working with this huge celebrity and they're going on tours and they're doing this and then the ego gets involved and it gets all this crazy, like social capital, crazy stuff. And what we're trying to do is remind people that music has never been an exclusive thing. Music has always been a place in the course of history that has been a connection and collective for people. And oftentimes music is the remembrance of very specific rough times in our life. Art has its own telling of history that a lot of times the way we learn history isn't reflective of. And we see that and like the songs that are created and like the modern music we have has all can all be drawn back to like black, it, like enslaved black people and like their writings of songs in the fields and like how that became like the basis and Afrobeats and things like that became the basis for like what we now have in rock and pop and hip hop and everything. So I look at music as more than just a business or a, a, a commodity or an entertainment thing. I, I look at it as a telling of the story of the world in a, in a lot of ways. And so because of that, I believe that it needs to be on the forefront of equality. And that is why I choose to do what I do, but also why I choose to promote people and network and give them this safe space to be honest. Because if you can't be honest in an industry that represents the most people in the world, where can you be? That's just really how I feel about networking. So when it comes to like these big events that you get invited to done by like these big labels. And so I think those are amazing. And I think everybody should go to them if given the opportunity and I go to them. But I also think that there's room for like, I kind of want to coin it micro networking where you just talk to people who have similar thoughts and feelings that you do. And they may not necessarily be able to like immediately help your career, but honestly, that emotional support, I think is just as much help as somebody helping you get a job. Because yeah. it's a tough industry. Yeah, definitely. Well, who's your biggest supporter, Shelby? Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> that's like a really tough question. I well, we don't ask that, just we don't ask just the softballs here. No, I mean, I you know, obviously, like my family is very supportive. Um, yeah. but anybody who works in the entertainment industry who doesn't have family directly in the entertainment industry will know it's. It's, it's hard for family to like understand all the time because right, you're, yeah. they'll be like, they'll be like, why are you answering emails at two o'clock in the morning? And you're like, look, this guy's in London and I can't, like, he's not responding any other time. I just got to do this. And so I have a lot of very amazing volunteers on my team who are just incredibly supportive of me as a person and as a leader. And 
I think that that is, I would say that that's my biggest support system. And I have a lot of good friends also in the industry who I have been able to like really rely on in, in, in trials and tribulations with this, with this company, because it, it hasn't been easy. It's not always easy. It's not always this, like, I'm very bright and bubbly, but not every day is like that. Yeah. So I would say my team and, and my really good friends in the industry are probably my, my biggest supporters. And I, and I have to give it to my team because one of the unique things about me as a leader, and I'm not trying to like toot my own horn here at all, is that I really like being told when I'm wrong because I feel like what I'm trying to do has so much nuance and so much specificity. And there are certain experiences that I'm never going to relate to or understand that being in this position forces me to say, okay, you know what? No, I don't know anything about this. I need to be properly educated on this. And maybe I'm not the best person to speak on this topic. So I'm going to let my team member who has this experience or has, you know, lived these things speak on this instead, because I I think as a leader, it's more important to know when you're wrong than to always be right. And so my team has always been supportive in that way where they're very open and honest with me about telling me when they disagree or something isn't right, or they feel that I maybe am not fully educated on a subject. And I very much appreciate that because I want to do the best for all people. Wow. That's pretty powerful. All that, all that you just Thank said. You. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> cool. I get up on these tangents. No, you don't have to apologize. That's why we're here. We're here to, uh, we're here to learn about you. We're here to learn about what's important to you um, things that you're involved with and how you impact them, how they impact you. And people are learning a lot listening to this right now. There are, there are people who are struggling to, uh, to build something right to build. You've given them some hope because you're talking about your, how your Facebook page started out a little slower or your Facebook group rather started out slower and grew and some of the, you know, how all the work that you've put in over the past, uh, five or six years now is, you know, starting to come back through yes. people that you've that you have served and now they're yeah. co- now they're coming back to pay it forward to other people and to support you so you can support more and that's amazing yeah. that is amazing right so people are learning all this and and yeah. they're hearing in your voice how exciting it is and so the payoff is starting to happen for you yes and i think the most important thing honestly that i have learned in like being I mean, I was 22 when I started this. Like, I did not have any formal business education. I had no, like, I had to teach myself the entirety of nonprofit stuff. I, you know, I still have to teach myself stuff about tax codes and stuff. Like, I'm doing that stuff all the time on my own. And so something that I've I've learned in this process, especially when going out on your own and starting something new and starting, honestly, like, I, I started this company before the Me Too movement hit and it was very taboo the way I was speaking about women's empowerment. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I've always been very upfront about it where I'm like, no, like I don't want to conform this. The status quo is not helpful to women. So we need to change the status quo, not change how women react to it. That did not gain me a lot of friends to be completely honest. There was a point where I didn't have a place to live. Um, there was a point where I was blackballed from the part of the industry that I knew no one would give me a job. Um, there was a point where like th- things were very, very, very tough. 
And a lot of people came to me, even other women came to me telling me that I needed to be quieter and that I needed to stop speaking in the way I was speaking. And I needed to like not do this and that. And the other thing is, it's crazy now because now I have found out that like the networking group that we have grown as a company, I hate calling it mine because it's not just mine. It's a conglomerate of all the people who have helped grow this business. But the networking group that we have is now the top recommendation for all of the major label college programs for young women to utilize to get more experience. Oh, that's crazy. And that was birthed out of this mentality that I had that like, no, we are not going to change. And that was really, really scary. And I lost almost all of my connections. I, I had, I pretty much had to rebuild my entire life. Um, after the first year of that business. And so for anybody starting their own thing, like it's hard. There were definitely a multitude of times where I was like, should I just give this up? Like, this is exhausting. And, and yeah, that's normal. I just, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it can be the extremes. Like there, there are extremes in this experience. And yes. I think the, the most helpful thing for me was realizing that like, even when I was in my lowest moments, I was still helping other people. And that really helped me get through because I realized that like, if I stopped doing this, who was going to pick it up and who would look at what I did and said, she gave up because it was too hard. So why should I even bother? And I didn't want to be that person. So I kept going. And, and now it's just so much bigger than me or any of the experiences that I had alongside it. And we've helped thousands, like literally, like literally thousands of young women and gender diverse people get opportunities in this industry, which is crazy because we aren't funded. I've never had, you know, a significant amount of money to do any of this. We've just been able to make it happen. And that's, I always make the joke, like, imagine what I could do if I had the money. <laughs> so but, uh, let's, all right, let's, let's stop right there. This is going to be evergreen. It's going to be out there. So here we are, it's 2021 headed into 22. You have an organization that has a f solid foundation. It's starting to bear fruit. And this mm -hmm. is the perfect time for someone who wants to make a difference, particularly in the areas that you are describing, who wants to have mm -hmm. an impact, who maybe doesn't have a role there yet, but has a desire. Maybe they had something in their past that, uh, that was impactful, and now mm -hmm. they have the financial wherewithal to support you. And so you have the organization that will achieve a goal that they want, right? So you have the same goals, and they have money. How much yeah. money do you need and what are you going to do with it? Oh my gosh. Well, ideally I would probably be in the 500K to a million range if possible. First two things that I would set up is like our operations budget and our programs funding. Um, operations, I would obviously immediately hire some of the people who have been with me for a long time. Um, ideally, I would also bring on health insurance for them because as a progressive company in the industry, I definitely want to make sure that I am checking all my boxes yeah. um, in what I'm offering people. Um, and also just like as on the level of equity. And when I talk about that, I'm going to make sure that I give people a, 
good salary if they want to come move to LA, like they can stay remote where they are, but if they need to move to Los Angeles, it's expensive. And you know, I know that feeling. So those are things that I would definitely do, but the programming itself. So we have had this program called roadie for a day. I'm sorry. What is, what is it called? Roadie for a day. Okay. Um, and it, it was funny because one of my favorite bands like did a, a single day of this where like somebody won a contest and got to like shadow their road crew for a day. And I was like, hmm, what if we did this, but like an educational way? So we kind of took the concept and flipped it on its head a little bit and started reaching out to different tours being like, hey, we're really here to do some live programming with you where we have young women and gender diverse people come shadow your touring crew for a day. Yeah. And and so we actually have done that on a few different tours and it's gone over extraordinarily well. Yeah, of course it would. And by the way, that's, that's hard work. (laughs) Yes. And to to all volunteer and we were doing it remote. And so my programs director was always a little bit frazzled and on edge. Jess, she is like the most incredible person I know. She's been my partner in this for a long time. I appreciate her so much. Um, But my programs director was a little frazzled. Um, which was fair. But one of the things that I really want to do is I want to be able to fund actually having a Girls Behind the Rock show representative on those tours. So that way we can kind of mitigate and work with some bigger tours. They they look at certain people throughout the day, but they have a Girls Behind the Rock show representative there to like take them to lunch, to talk about their experience throughout the day, to kind of like get an idea of where they feel they want to learn more. If there's something during the evening that they want to kind of focus more on, you know, things like that, because also just having somebody there from the company to represent in a way that's like, Hey, if you feel something goes off or wrong or weird, like we're here, I really want to get money to get sponsored so we can get on the road for those types of things. Um, And then we have a few other programs that I really want to get off, which like festival immersion, um, where we send a bunch of different young women to go to festivals and we pay for their lodging and things like that. And they shadow different people. We've done that multiple times. We just, it's always kind of had to be local because we've never really had the funds to send people there. And then the ultimate goal is to start building out free educational courses for young people, specifically in areas that aren't accessible to the entertainment industry where we have somebody like, you know, music industry professors or things like that from like colleges come in and teach and they don't have to pay for this because they're already at a disadvantage. And so I want them to be able to access these things for free. And then my ultimate, ultimate, ultimate goal would be to create an actual free college for young women and gender diverse people who want to go into the music industry or entertainment industry. Wow. That's amazing. It's pretty yeah. ambitious. You just described the rest of your life. Yes, big plans. <laughs> but but really, but really, I think that what what people don't oh, and the other program, I always forget this one. This is kind of where we started, is also a sponsorship program where we basically pay for the relocation and like first few months of rent for young people who accept jobs in the big cities and can't afford to move. I was actually going to suggest that as sort of a crazy yeah. idea. You need to own an apartment building 
that <laughs> is like a halfway house for people relocating to the major music cities. But, but we uh, need these people in all these places because yeah. women are so underrepresented, especially in the recording and production part, and especially in the financial part and legal departments. Like yeah. Yeah. there's there's so much lack of women and gender diverse representation at all levels of the music industry outside like PR and marketing. The one of the reasons why people think that it's not as big of a problem is because of where a lot of women specifically work in the industry. You see a lot of women in PR, you see a lot of women in marketing. And because those are more public facing parts of it, you think that it's not as big of a problem as it is. But if you look at a tour, you're going to notice that like maybe 10% of the tour is women. If we can get the music industry to start reflecting upon itself and looking at itself and changing the way it works internally, imagine how much that would affect the world. Well, it'll affect the world in a huge way because music and and uh, the associated uh, parts of it are in every single vertical every industry they're in all they're in every part of entertainment it's utilized in some way in in health um in fitness it's it's in uh uh it's an integral part of automobiles i mean it's it's everywhere so it's yeah you know it's going to have an impact in, in some way yes yeah. absolutely that's why i'm so passionate about it because i think the ripple effect of right. what the music industry and entertainment industry does is always huge. Like if you think about the way the LGBTQ community really has woven itself into acceptance, it's a lot of like, there are a lot of gay people in entertainment and they wrote their own stories into narratives and, and songs and shows and things like that. And the more it became regular in TV shows, the more people were inspired to speak their truth in everyday life. That's a reality. That's a responsibility, I believe, that we as in an industry have. If we are going to affect people, we have to be aware of how we're doing it and what we're doing. Well, I think you're doing a good job. It seems like it. And I guess the, <laughs> you know, the, uh, the analytics would prove it correct. Uh, if you look at uh, how you're growing and, and the positive things that are happening, you're being very impactful and, um, and you're uh, expressing yourself very well, I think. So good for you. Thanks. People are going to want to connect with you. I know that there's um, girlsbtrs.com. Right. So yes. that's girls behind the rock show.com. And what's the Facebook group? Um, it's GBTRS music industry networking group. Is there any other way that people should get more information or, or contact you directly? We have Instagram, we have TikTok, all the social medias. They're all girls BTRS. Very okay. easy across the board. Honestly, to contact me directly is a little bit rough. <laughs> like right. I do to add me on LinkedIn, things like that. But for the sure. most part, send a DM and to Instagram. We check those every day. We try to, at least if we don't, it's like once a week. Um, and, you know, we always get back to people. Oh, I need to do a breakaway just real quick and give a shout out to Will, Tom, and Nate. They're three young guys who own ParlorCityFurniture.com. Um, they're just killing it over there. And they're now a sponsor of the podcast, which is awesome. They are helping me outfit a new video studio and I have a, a cool standing desk. It's motorized, goes from seated to standing. There's pre-recorded or pre-programmed positions also. Um, and we're going to be doing some upgrades in the podcast studio too. So they're super motivated, super cool. 
they want to help you. They're very excited about their business. They ship globally. You can find out more at ParlorCityFurniture.com. Back to the show. All right, Shelby Chargan, it's time for the question. Stand by. It's time to answer the questions. I double dare you. Okay, it is time for the questions with Shelby. Uh, are you ready to go, Shelby? Yes, absolutely. All right. Uh, if you could have a conversation with a famous person, dead or alive, who would it be? What would you talk about and why? Harriet Tubman, for sure. I think I would talk to her about what type of resilience it took to be in that position and how she was able to continue to fight when there were moments of hopelessness and despair. And I think one of the reasons why is because she has just always been my favorite figure in history. I have always found um, a deep connection with her story and not in like my own personal experience, but just understanding how brave she had to be in that moment. And I think that it's something we don't talk about enough. And it's just something I've always wanted to know more about. For the few listeners in our audience who don't know who Harriet Tubman is, give them a quick rundown. Um, Harriet Tubman was um, a enslaved Black woman who helped other enslaved Black people escape slavery from the Underground Railroad. She took a lot of risks and um, got a lot of slaves to leave their plantations in the South and come North for freedom. All right. Uh, question number two. If you could go back um, 10 or more years or so, what would you want the young Shelby to know about her future? Oh my goodness. That she has one. Honestly, I think that's the scariest part being 18 is that you don't know what's happening and just knowing that sticking to her guns is, is going to bring her more than she ever thought she could have in life. Great. Question number three, what is the one thing that you wish you could have brought with you from your hometown? Ooh, Mitchell's ice cream. Okay. That is, that is, that's the one thing I wish I could have brought with me. Honestly, honestly, now we'll update that a little bit too. I wish I could bring my niece with me, but I think my sister might have some issues with that. So how old your niece? She just turned a year. I was just with her last weekend. Oh, nice. And what's your home? What's your hometown again? Um, Cleveland. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So Mitch is Mitchell's ice cream. Is that a, uh, a state, uh, wide, uh, a popular it's, place or is it a little, a little mom pa shop in town or what? What is it's that? It's like a, it's like a Cleveland specific chain. Okay. It's like, there's a few of them around the Cleveland area, but oh, best ice cream in the world. All right. So, so is it the actual product there or is it the memories connected with going to get ice cream? I think both. I think both, but the ice cream itself is so good. And like, I've tried to find a place in LA that's, that, that does it the same. Don't have one. Oh, nice. What do, what do you, what do you, uh, what's a, what's a memory that jumps out at you of uh, being at Mitchell's enjoying ice cream? Um, we went there a lot my senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. And I think just like that time in general is nostalgic for me. Um, I can't, I couldn't pinpoint just one time, but just like being there with my friends. <laughs> was it you and the rest of the nerds that you had, you had mentioned uh, earlier I, that you were no, the, honestly, the nerd group? Honestly, yes. No, I yeah. actually, most of my, most of my friends were not as nerdy as I was. I don't know how they put up with me because I was always <laughs> ranting about music or comics or 
something with Iron Man. Like I was, I was very, I was very weird. Um, but or Dragon Ball Z, that was a that was a big one for me. But yeah, they they were they were much more um normally sociable than I was. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I offer entrepreneur success coaching and going boldly success coaching. Can I ask you a coaching question? Sure. All right. In our journey, we all experience obstacles and it could be uh, internal obstacles, those voices in our head or the pre-programming that we're trying to overcome or something that someone told us we were or could or couldn't do that we still believe is real Uh, or external obstacles like a strange economy or um, uh, who knows, a flood or, you know, whatever. So there's always something coming up or a supplier that doesn't supply properly or somebody who won't return your phone call all those types of things. So let me ask you about an internal obstacle. What's the one big internal obstacle for you that keeps popping up that might be preventing you from reaching your goal? Um, probably imposter syndrome. Mm. I have a really bad case that as you hear, I apologize a lot. I, I have a really bad case of it. And it's, and it's funny because it's kind of like a practice what you preach thing. Cause I always tell people um, you are worth every room that you are invited into uh, like you are worth being there and you have to remember that like when you are asked to be in a room it's because of your expertise in a subject or whatever it may be and um, I have a really hard time with that because I I often feel like I'm not as um, experienced as I am yeah. and, it, and, it, and it really really gets me sometimes it's very difficult yeah Actually, you you know, you probably do know, and uh, I know too, but I, I experience it as well. I think most people do. It's a very normal thing. Yeah. And I think it's very common with creative people that we need reassurance that what we're doing is valuable, that it's being accepted, that we are as good as other people think we are. And I've noticed the pre-stage jitters, the post-performance um depression, uh, all the kinds of things that you would think would be somebody new to the business. But I'm talking about people who are still working, who have international reputations right now. There are all those those doubts and, and that need for reassurance and acceptance that uh, are particularly uh, noticeable, particularly with creative people, but with entrepreneurs in general too. So um, yeah. Thanks for, but thanks for sharing that because here you are, you just told your story and this amazing organization that you've built and it's starting to come back to you. You know, you're doing the right thing. I mean, the evidence is before you and yet, <laughs> and yet you still have those thoughts, right? So yeah. what, what do you do to uh, overcome them or to deal with them or to, uh, you know, how do you move forward? Honestly, sometimes it's more just like being like, you know, even if I feel this way about myself, I'm still here because I'm the one, because I'm the person doing this and I need to do it for other people. A lot of times for me, my motivation comes from the people that I know I'm helping because I, like I said before, like if I don't do it, do I trust that somebody else is going to just pick up the work and, and go forward? And not saying that I don't think other people would be great at this or, or do this, but I just think that I, I've become so knowledgeable about what I do that it would take another person a long time to fight for it the way I I know I can now. Isn't it interesting that we have the idea that we're an imposter 
which would imply that we don't know what we're doing and we're not being effective. And yet at the same time, <laughs> we, you, you know, and let's talk about what you just said specifically, but you're, you're not going to stop doing it because basically because you, you're doing a great job and you know what you're doing and you're having an impact. It's like, it's the complete juxtaposition of, uh, of concepts in a way. <laughs> It's crazy because the rationalization to ignore imposter syndrome is why I shouldn't have it in the first place. But (laughs) that's how it works, right? Like, that's that's the the whole thing of it. And I think, you know, I don't know if I've talked to so many different women in so many different phases of the industry, and I don't know if that ever goes away. Um, No, I don't think it does really. Yeah. But the one thing that I have, I find solace in is that there are going to be moments where you realize how untrue it is and being able to hold on to those moments will make the moments where you're feeling it very heavy, easier to get through. Oh, that's exactly true. Yeah. All right. Shelby, this has been so much fun. (laughs) So we have another great interview here that brings us to the end of another episode. I want to thank Shelby Chargan for sharing all this with us and her uh, organization Girls Behind the Rock Show is uh, providing services for you. And I just wanted to throw in, the, you know, there's somebody out there who has that deep pocket, who has some money to invest. And Shelby is ready to help you achieve the goal that you've been thinking about. And you've been saying like, all right, I've gotten to this point in my life and uh, I've had to deal with all this X, whatever this was, and I want to help other people not have to deal with it. And I have some resources now so I can help Shelby and help the rest of them. So make the call. <laughs> it's like a telethon, right? Make the call now. <laughs> Operator standing by. All right. Um, go, <laughs> go ahead. No, I just say thank you so much. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it was a pleasure. All right, we're out. That concludes another episode of Going Boldly. I hope you were entertained and you discovered at least one nugget of wisdom or advice that you can put into action immediately. Or maybe you received some inspiration from today's episode. And I'm certain you know at least one person who needs this podcast. Please share it with them. You might be the important link that will change their life for the better. Subscribing means you will not miss an episode. And it will make it easier for me to schedule guests because I can show them that the audience is growing. So please subscribe. It will benefit us all. Let me know how I can make this show even better. Leave a comment and send me a DM. I read everyone personally, and I do my best to respond to each and every one. As a thank you, I'll be awarding prizes. And to keep you on your toes, the winners will be randomly selected from names I find in the comments, shares, DMs, and from the list of subscribers. Prizes might be Going Boldly merch or products supplied by my guests, or just something random and fun. But you have to comment, share, DM, or subscribe to be eligible to win. A special thanks to Brenna Swanger at Waverly Manor Studios for our great theme music. And finally, thanks for listening. Go boldly, keep at it, and wash your hands. <laughs>